So I'm looking up the meaning of the word unhireable. This is the first result that pops up and um, it reads noun in brackets, one who cannot be hired, semicolon, an unsuitable employee. Hmm. Apparently, there are a bunch of people who are unhireable right now. They largely belong to the world of startups, but contrary to what you might think, and this is what makes it really intriguing, these unhireables are not mediocre performers or underqualified people. These are fully qualified people with the right skills and training. These are people who are usually in their 30s. They're probably working at a growth stage startup. That's Arundhati. She's a journalist at the Ken. These are rough descriptions of who could be an unhireable, Arundhati explains. Probably in roles like product management, engineering, marketing, or even some cross-functional roles. They've spent about five to ten years in the industry. They probably got a salary hike of over 30% consistently in each of the past three years. And their salaries are over 40 lakhs per annum right now. So I'm just going to pause you and ask, right? Like, how did these people become unhireables? It's pretty simple, actually, right? Because between 21 and 22, Mm -hmm. um, venture investors pump billions of dollars into startups to fund their hyper-growth narrative. And then startups in turn pumped money to hire employees at astronomical salaries to deliver on that hyper-growth promise that they made to their investors. So now, startups have accepted a reality and they have drastically cut down on their valuations. But employees who are hired at such bloated salaries during the boom time find themselves in a place where companies find them too expensive to keep. And on the other hand, when they go looking for jobs, few want to hire them because of their salaries. Wait, I'm going to take a moment and like process that. Because what you're telling me is the kind of salaries they were getting during the boom time is now way out of the whack with the market reality. So in a way, they kind of price themselves out of the job market. Absolutely. That's crazy. You're probably wondering at this point, how does Arundhati know all this? Remember I told you Arundhati is a journalist at the Ken? I kind of underplayed it. She's been a fintech reporter for more than a decade. She knows a lot of people in the startup world who are her valuable sources. And this was something many founders, recruiters and compensation specialists relayed live from the startup scene. Some with the shield of anonymity and some without, whom we'll speak to later in this episode. Arundhati trusts these people and I trust her. How did we get here? It had to happen because during the boom time, people were hired to do a specific job and to get it done quickly. So their skills and salaries have not been in sync. And as a result, you now see that employees' salaries have grown faster than their skills. And that's what makes them overvalued. So how many such people are in the zone right now? There are about a million people working in startups today. Mm-hmm. So uh, my sources tell me that anywhere between 15 to 25% of this workforce 
is overvalued and therefore unhireable. Wow, that's what um, close to 250,000 people? Yeah, thereabouts. I wanted to speak to someone who unwittingly became an unhireable. The Ken had put out an exclusive survey to make out exactly that. Some of the people who took part in the survey kind of fit the unhireable's brief. So I called them up. The minute I mentioned the word unhireable, people got very sensitive. They wanted nothing to do with the podcast. They did not want to be associated with it in any way. And they made that very clear to me. While it's a definite setback, because I really wanted to get a sense of who these people are. But I understand though, it's somebody's career we are discussing. It's a delicate subject and nobody wants to really be known as an unhireable. But what's something that really stood out to me as I made these calls is the sheer panic people expressed when I explained the unhireable syndrome to set the context. The wariness I could hear on the other end of the phone left me feeling like there was something very, very real here. Could it be that the defensive barriers went up because it is something that they know to be true but don't want to admit? This thought, strangely enough, motivated me to dig deeper into who these unhireables really are, what do they look like, how do you spot them, and most importantly, if you are one, what can you do now? This is Cost to Company, the Ken's Careers and Workplaces podcast, and I'm your host, Akshara. Unhireable syndrome may not be all that well-known in the general sense, but in the startup world, this word is ubiquitous. It is something that is whispered among recruiters, founders, CXOs and executives who are hiring for key positions in their companies. I'm at a cafe in Indranagar, in Bangalore. It's 4pm and it's packed. It's not a co-working space, but it looks like one. I wanted to know who among us are overvalued employees right now. So I sought out someone experienced in startup hiring, Jerry Jose. He's a principal consultant at Native, an executive search firm, and I met with him. So I specifically have been doing product roles since about a year, year and a half now, right? Compared to what I was doing in 2000, in 21, the volume of product roles that we are getting is one one fifth of what we did, right? Like in a year, if I was getting. 10 VP product roles in 21 I'm barely getting 2 to 3 now Hiring mandates for product roles have fallen by a fifth says Jerry but it's not just the number of jobs on offer that's falling though so are the salaries About 2 years back when we get a senior mandate right the budgets are usually if I ask for a budget it's it, it's mentioned as open open means you get the right profile we'll pay the right price and that right price can be anything at that point today they are much more clearer in what they want they're like okay boss 70 is my budget we will get it to 77 if you get the rockstar fellow but 
don't show me people above 80 simple they are much more realistic before it wasn't like that you get the right price the right guy will pay whatever man there's no budget so that mindset is shifting in clients which is which is good so we are much more focused on our searches uh, if we know somebody who is ready to take a pay cut he will definitely be in that in that pool of people we speak with otherwise he'll be out of that pool anyways he's mentioned i don't want to take a pay cut he's out of the pool so yeah you know what younger and less funded startups down the totem pole like series a or b simply cannot afford people whose salaries were bid up in a different era but it's not just about the budgets we do a lot of cxo leadership hiring what happens when you hire a so the bigger issue when we go to the company saying ki okay you want to hire a cxo and they say no no my i don't want to hire the 2 crore plus executive i really want to hire the 1 crore executive it is not about that they are reducing the budget they are actually worried about two things if you hire a 2 crore plus executive they will need a team of 8 10 people who are paid about 1 crore each plus their way of working with them would be not very hands on they would be say okay fine i'm delegating and i'm program managing so the larger issue is the second one where they said that look the culturally we are not that company culturally we want people at senior level to really be very much aligned to the company be hands on drive that growth be their kind of a thing that's anshuman das he's the founder of longhouse consulting also a talent search firm companies have now started realizing that overvalued hires are breaking parts of company's culture companies are redoing their cost and benefit analysis is this person adding value or are they simply delegating and influencing if that's the case then is it really a worthy investment i turned to shrikant ayer a serial entrepreneur co-founder and ceo of homelane homelane is an interior design platform by the way i spoke to him to gauge what kind of roles are now being carefully reconsidered because that could give us an idea of where the unhireables could be typically these are guys uh, that when the times were good uh, the demand was very very high for them which means that rare resources can be in many areas can be in uh, marketing can be in growth hacking can be in uh, um performance marketing specifically because that's again a very uh, difficult area to find resources can be in product can be in engineering tech technology and engineering can be across from my mind these would be the normal areas that i would look for um for these resources and uh, that's typically because the demand and uh, supply is scenario is skewed in their favor during good times so you have fewer good resources and uh, people are willing to pay more for these resources the impact that these resources can can have is also higher during you know good times especially growth hacking digital marketing kind of uh, and uh, engineering product kind of uh, skills so they typically tend to fall in this category in my opinion uh, mostly this was interesting to me and seems relevant to the question of who could be an unhireable anyone who had some premium skills growth hackers performance marketers product managers who could ride the wave during good times command a premium for their skills and actually get away with it but now the demand and supply equation is reversed there are too many people chasing too few jobs the odds are no longer in your favor 
it's a buyer's market once again. Have the overvalued employees grown at a pace that they can't afford? Have they become victims of their own success? Is this their doing? No, I'll give you one other angle uh, actually, Akshaya, okay? Um, normally, uh, startups uh, uh, get valued on multiple angles, right? One is on their growth, one is on their revenue, one is on their attraction, uh, one is on the technology strength that they have, all of it during good times. This is during good times. The we are, the times we are in right now, people are saying, Acha, by the way, you just tell me whether you're profitable or not and when you're going to get to profitability, whether you grow fast or slow is irrelevant, whether you are using the best technology platform and you built it yourself is irrelevant. I'm not willing to give you a premium because you built a better UX and UI than your competitor. I'm not willing to give you. I'm only willing to give you based on your actual numbers. So then what happens is as a result of that, the entrepreneur or the employer's need to actually pay more reduces. If I'm if I'm incentivized for growth and I'm giving I'm given a valuation for growth, then I'm incentivized to hire somebody for growth hacking, for digital marketing, who's great, and pay them whatever king's ransom. But nobody is incentivizing me today to grow at at sixty percent rather than at thirty percent. People are saying, "Arey, yar, you grow at thirty percent, I'm fine. Twenty percent also, I'm fine. But grow profitably." So then your priorities have changed. So that's the other angle to this. So one is the roles which were, if I may say so, must have in organizations have now become nice to have. Like uh, digital marketing, I had to use digital marketing, blow money and grow at 60% because my investor was uh, wanting me to grow at a higher rate. But right now my investor is saying, hey, you know what? There is relax, get don't grow fast, but become profitable. Don't spend too much on technology, save that cost because because of your technology edge, you're not getting a better valuation today. The valuation today is not dependent on whether you have the best platform or not. It's only dependent on whether you have the better revenue or not and the better profitability profile or not. So why would you spend on Technology, you will spend some money, but you're not going to spend. That's what I said. It's moved from a technology is moved from a must have bucket into a nice to have bucket. Overvalued employees are overvalued now because their skills are undervalued. The investors have shifted the goalposts and startups are changing their priorities to meet this new challenge. In fact, Jerry, the consultant and native, told me the story of a mid-level employee, a products guy who's kind of stuck in his career right now, got hired at a 100% hike, but now he just won't find a job if he doesn't take a pay cut. Like this happened like in 21, right? We play somebody from one of the unicorns into another one at a 100% hike. Okay. Uh, 55 lakhs he was at and we placed him at about 90 plus something something milake, it crossed one crore. Today, if he wants to jump, it won't happen. Right? Because his mind is set that I got a 100% or a 80% hike or whatever and these people are giving me 15. Uh, it won't happen. Unless he's okay taking up something at 70, which is doable. Yes. Just won't happen. Like you said, 2021, he could ask for a 50% hike and he got it. Mm. Which means 100%. he just got Sorry. lucky. 
ever but here's my question anyway right like imagine you realize you have an overvalued employee in your team at like a package of 50 lakhs or something like why don't you just go and tell them that they are overvalued you know you could be honest and say like your skills are not relevant as before it's a tough decision but this is what it is like is there like a strong rule that salary corrections cannot happen downward because it'll lead to massive discontent or like it only has to happen upward you can only revise their salaries upward first of all i think they are happening downwards uh, i don't think too many people are talking about it but i do think that in some companies uh, uh, at least in startups they surely are happening even if salary corrections are not happening i can tell you what's happening for sure uh, the component of your salary is changing from on, from from only cash uh, it is changing to cash uh, and a component of esop within the same ctc so suppose you are getting a 50 lakhs you suddenly now are getting 40 lakhs and then 10 lakhs of esop because esop is better than cash um that's happening for sure the second thing that's happening is people are also looking at seeing how they can make their employees double hat for example 
uh, we did that. Uh, we saw uh, technology people who are good at product and vice versa. Some product guys who had been techies in their earlier lives, uh, in their earlier avatars. So we said, hey, you know what? Why don't you guys become both product and engineering managers? So you will have on one side, uh, maybe a junior project manager, but on the other side, you'll also have a team of like engineering resources. You'll have to, man you'll have to manage both. Otherwise, you had a separate product team and a separate engineering team, and they used to work with each other. Uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, difficult times call for difficult measures. You either yourself move into a combination of, uh, you know, uh, money and ESOP rather than just cash. Um, and, you know, try and see if you can do uh, different roles uh, with whatever skills that you possess, which can add more value to the company at that point in time, then you're just going to help yourself and the company. I mean, you're going to become more indispensable than you were like uh, without doing before doing this. And uh, and also look, they'll look at you and say, hey, I'm getting value for money because, uh, you know. So what do we know? We know that many overvalued employees no longer have premium skills that companies value as much. We also know that they largely reside in areas like product management, marketing and technology roles, sometimes even in senior management. We know that the number of jobs out there has dipped dramatically. And now, Shrikant tells us that many companies that have overvalued employees are correcting salaries downwards. More ESOPs than cash in hand or in other ways that we don't know of. But it is happening. It's clear that they have to take a pay cut or show up for the company in more ways than one. Or dare to venture into a job market with no guarantee of ever finding something. What happens when someone does that? I asked Jerry. Candidates, a good section of people, at least when they go through the cycle of being unemployed for a few months, uh, talking to consultants, headhunters, uh, their peers, understanding what their peers are getting, they do come to this reality. Because you need to understand from an employee point of view, they went to that point because they were doing these things. right? Nobody told the 55 guy ki suddenly today you're worth 90. His peer one day told him, boss, you know, I and you graduated from the same college in the same year, you're getting 55, you know, my company is paying me 90 for the same job you're doing. That is how he comes to know. So the same thing will happen after four years. That same guy will tell him, yeah, yeah, that happened. But you know, today they told me I have to do 70 and I'm okay with it. So they'll learn. They'll slowly learn. They'll learn the, this side faster. This will take much more time. That's all. But they'll come there. Jerry is positive that people learn their lesson, pick up on the hints and mend their ways. But people also equate salaries with self-worth. And asking the question of how hireable am I? is exactly the opposite. It is an exercise in acute self-awareness, knowing where you stand in the larger context of things, knowing when to course correct when you take a misstep. Because most careers are usually a result of a compounding effect, compounded of time, energy, money, and experience. Do you personally know someone who's an unhirable after having listened to the episode? What would be your advice? Write to me at podcasts at the-ken.com. I'll say that again, podcasts at the-ken.com. Thank you for listening to Cost to Company. I'm your host, Akshaya.
This episode of Costa Company was written, hosted and produced by Akshya Chandrasekharan and audio engineering by Rajiv Sen. I'm Shrivar and next week I'll be speaking to you about mistakes. More specifically, unobvious mistakes that many candidates are making while applying to jobs. And these mistakes aren't just stressing out the candidates, but the HRs too. More on that next week. Stay tuned.